Welcome to Fuji Love. This is the show that is all about the Fujifilm X-Series and GFX cameras, but more importantly, it's about the photographers who love to use them. I'm Mark Sadowski, and this show is brought to you by Fuji Love Magazine. For the latest and greatest in all things Fujifilm X-Series and GFX, whether it's news, interviews, and so much more, head on over to fujilove.com. Subscribe today. And now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to chime in real quick before we start the show that Kyle McDougall's new book, An American Mile, is out. It looks amazing. I just received a copy just this weekend, and the the, the quality of the images are amazing. He did an amazing job putting this book together. It is beautiful. It is stunning. It's, it's a must-have. And there's going to be a link in the show notes where you can uh, go and buy it. But I got to say, for $55, you are getting more than your money's worth. It is, it is actually so beautiful, and it's so much better than seeing it on screen. So give it a try if you want to check it out. Uh, you can listen to our interview that we did uh, a little while ago. And yeah, check it out. Show, show notes have the link and uh, enjoy. The other thing is that I have a new podcast. Well, not a new podcast, but I've resurrected one of my old podcasts. If you stick around to the end of the show, you'll usually hear me mention the Xmark podcast. And it's a podcast that I haven't updated in a while. And I've put out two new episodes. It's very different from uh, what, what we do here on uh, Fuji Love. I'm not typically interviewing people. It's just giving thoughts about this and that. And I try to do it in a humorous way. Uh, sometimes I'll have guests. When I do, it'll be uh, a, a fun time. We'll talk about photography or we won't talk about photography, but everything's going to be from a photographer's point of view. And that's it. Go ahead, check it out. Link is going to be in the show notes. Uh, but if you do a search for Xmark, Mark with a C, you should be able to find it or just do a search for Fujifilm in your podcast feed and, and you, you might find it there. Uh, it's definitely searchable. You'll find it in the links. And uh, yeah, if, if you're interested give it a give it a try and now without further ado let's go on with the show when when you record a podcast uh, do you get amnesia on the podcast that you just recorded yes isn't that weird that that seems to be a common trait among podcasters um i think it's a common trait among people who talk for a living too is it yeah. When I was a disc jockey, I couldn't tell you what I did on the show yesterday. Fascinating. Why do you think that is? Because you're always looking ahead to what you're going to say next. You know, you just don't have time to dwell on it. You know, I have to, I have to take notes sometimes, be like, mark this off, mark this off, or else the next week I'll bring up the same topic that I was talking about the week before. Uh, some would say I should take that uh, advice because I do that from podcast to podcast. Mentioned uh, similar stuff happening. Um, 
But the thing is, the thing is funny about that is that you lament it when you do it, but the listeners don't really care that much. The listeners don't care if you repeat yourself. And I guess that depends on what you're repeating. <laughs> right. Um, oh, that's so funny. Uh, anyway, uh, here we are talking to Hooray Perry. He is an amazing photographer in Florida. He is also a great teacher, a podcaster, as you can see by this cold open, and uh, an amazing YouTube channel dedicated to all things Fujifilm, helping you with photography. Uh, like I said, he's a great teacher. And man, it's good to have you on the show, man. Thank you. It's good to be here. Big fan. And yeah, <laughs> thank you again for being so patient. We've had some uh, crazy scheduling, uh, mostly coming from, oh, like, mostly, I mean, totally <laughs> coming from my side. It, it has been a crazy month between uh, the, the start of wedding season, day-to-day uh, -day life with uh, my, my daughter, who is going through uh, her, her ultimate dance recital, which just happened. And, and it was uh, a lot of uh, drama there. <laughs> But, an ultimate uh, and ultimate. Let me ask you: the ultimate dance recital is that held like in a theater? Yes, actually. And how happens. how long is it? Oh, it's it's long. This yeah. year, I'm really proud of her. Uh, she com she did like more sets of dances uh, this time around than she did her previous years. Like previous years, she would do like she had like two or maybe three uh, performances. And this year she had uh, six or seven and yeah. to, to memorize all of that and, and, and competing, not competing, the competing was a couple months ago, but to, to do that with an older group, it, I mean, I, I was just super proud of her. It was me with my iPhone recording everything. <laughs> My oldest daughter was in dance for six years, so we had the same thing. And they rent out a big theater, Mahaffey Theater in in Tampa and in, in St. Petersburg, which is a major theater, like you know, big acts come and play there. And the show itself would be three and a half to four hours long because it combined two locations of dance. Yep. And then the dress rehearsal was another like four hours long. And yes. I so I know the nightmare that is the year end dance <laughs> recital. And your daughter's backstage uh with uh, six or seven costume changes, and each costume costs 70 bucks. Yep. And oh, you know, it's, and I knew girls who were in 12, 12 dances, 12 numbers, you know. Parents is just selling out eight hundred dollars. I did the dance pictures for that school every year for six years. Uh good money. Did all their dance pictures and then checked it one year and every single penny that I made went right back to the dance school. That's awesome. Yeah, I was just I was just working doing those pictures to pay so my daughter could take dance. <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh yeah, the the her dance pictures that that's another story, and I'm not gonna <laughs> talk ill of another photographer, but uh when we stop recording, I'll I'll share the story. <laughs> <laughs> um but finally we get to uh chat and uh man i got to say your youtube channel super informative super fun and you have the best photographer intro 
ever with, with that cartoon. <laughs> that is like yeah. spot yeah. on awesome. It, it, I thought I it's a little over the top. I'll admit it's a little over the top. But um, but what happened was um I'm a gamer. I play a lot of uh video games, I'm playing Diablo 4 right now. Yep. Oh and and uh if you go and you look at YouTube uh channels that belong to gamers, a lot of times they have some sort of an animated rock and roll kind of thing. And I was like, yeah, I like that. So I'm going to do that. And also, I enjoy the irony of it. I'm not some young rock and roller. I'm an older guy. So the whole thing is kind of tongue in cheek. <laughs> you know, it's my face, a little bobblehead, and it's all pink and green and everything. It's, it's, I, the whole thing was kind of meant to be a joke. I think the perfect explanation, uh, perfect description of your uh, intro and your logo is a family friendly version of Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Oh, you know, I never thought about that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's the same. It's the color, same color, color scheme and everything. It's the same. Uh, you know, and also, I it's, it's you know, pink and green, pink and teal is is Florida. Yeah, and I'm in Florida, so I just wanted to be fun and and I have this. I have this uh, total. Uh, I absolutely hate to take myself self too seriously. I hear you because know, if you if you start taking yourself too seriously, then people start to try and take you down. Yeah. So, so I was like, let's make sure it's light and fun. And, and that's what I ended up with. And it totally fits. And, and it sets the vibe for the rest of the information coming through the channel. And I think everybody should check it out. Just do a search for Boo-Ray Perry and you will find him. <laughs> it's, it's Yeah. Well, if you, if you just go to Google and put in Boo-Ray Perry, the whole first page is nothing but me. <laughs> website podcast uh, youtube channel instagram there's only one i don't know of another boo ray perry in in the country you are the only one that i know sir <laughs> um i happen today by the way this happens all the time i think i think people sometimes like if they email me I had a potential client email me today i came back with all the questions all answered all the questions and then she came back she goes and she addressed the, the email to perry and i get that a lot and I think it's because they're they're just not sure Bure is a name, <laughs> like <laughs> like 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 maybe Bure is some foreign language for Mister or General or Colonel, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like he, like he's he's Colonel Colonel Perry and Bure is just like I don't know some word for uh, I don't know what they think, but people do it all the time. Where in emails and and comments on my channel, they will address me by my last name. It's like I a think royalty thing from skin. I think they're afraid of it. They they don't <laughs> understand, you know, unless they're from the South, like South Louisiana, they're from Louisiana, then they call me Boo Ray because they understand that that's a Louisiana name. Uh, but other people are just, they're a little afraid of the name. So, uh, so it's a Louisiana name. Like what, what is it? Is it short for like a, a, another name? Like, is it short for like Benjamin or something like that? Or no, it's just French Cajun. It's actually spelled B-O-U-R-R-E with a hyphen. That's the way it's traditionally spelled. But my oh, nice. spelled uh, English, you know, Boo-Ray, B-O-O-R-A-Y. But if you went to Louisiana and told somebody your name was Boo-Ray, they wouldn't think twice about it. I graduated high school with a Boo-Ray. It was very popular down there. Yeah, but it's not, it's not, no, it's not popular, but it's, it's just a Cajun name. Boo-Ray, Boudreau, Monroe, you know, those, those are names you hear, especially in the, in the middle part, the Acadiana part of the state. Right on. Um, your photography uh is amazing uh <laughs> i i love it it, it uh, i'm a wedding photographer as well and um as many people are tired of hearing by now so i i, I love your anytime weddings look 
you, you know, I, I love seeing everybody's style and, and it, it's always cool to, to see what photographers make as, uh, I just love the style. I, I'm, I'm trying to expand on that when I really should just keep it simple. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I have a style, you know, I, I, I just, I try to take clean, well-lit images and, and I try to stay just a little bit better than most of the competition, but far below the people who are really good. That's like my sweet spot, you know, I you know, because I've got friends, I don't know if you know the Munoz family in Miami. No. Um, Okay, well, if you know the Munoz family in Miami, they may be the best wedding photographers in the country. Unbelievable. You look at, you go, oh, I love your work. And if you look at the Munoz, you go, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. I see now that you're nothing compared to the guys who are really the top guys. And um, I just try to stay better than most of the people in my market, if I can, like in the top five or 10%. But I don't know that I have a style. I don't know that you can recognize something I shot just by looking at all oh, that's a well, if it's a beach, yeah, you can if it's a beach picture. If it's a beach picture, you'll recognize it because I'm one of the few guys who even bothers to take us uh, off-camera lighting onto the beach at sunset. I was just going to bring that up. Your off-camera lighting uh, with your outdoor photos uh, really is striking. I, I think that... Yeah, it's very, very contrasty, very pop, you know, yeah. And, and you really... It really stands mm -hmm. out. You're, you're not... You're hiding the light, but you're not... You're hiding the light source, but you're not hiding the light at any any stretch of the imagination. And it no, <laughs> and it, no, that's just, that you said that. That's absolutely true. I don't try and light so that it's like so that you have to guess whether or not they're being lit. <laughs> right. No. It's obvious that they are being lit, but that's because I like contrast. So if I'm shooting you at sunset, I want the sun right down into the ocean. And then I'm going to take that F-stop, you know, I'm going to, and the shutter speed and put it so that the sky is, there's a lot of dark in the sky. And then you get the vibrant punch of the sunlight that's left. And then you hit them with a light and they're, they're in, they're standing in pitch black. So when you hit them with a light, um, you know, they're going to pop. And yeah. yeah, that's, that's my style. And it's, I don't know if it's by design or not. Um, but I only use one light and I don't do as much beach work as I used to, but for a while, um, I was doing two, three beach weddings a week, little destination brides would come down and get married on the beach. So I've been on the beach for like an hour and I had 30 minutes at sunset to get 50 pictures. And so it was, it was, a, I had a whole series. I'd do this, 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 now stand here, do this, 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 and put the light here. And I only use one light cause I don't use an assistant and, um, I couldn't put a softbox on it cause it was too windy. Yeah. So I just a uh, little cone reflector, you know, so it's kind of a hard light. Uh, mm -hmm. And that then I guess that is my look and my style, but it's more out of necessity than anything else, because if it was up to me, I'd have two lights out there in giant softboxes. Yeah. But hey, it works and it's awesome. And yeah, that's all that counts. Uh, what, what are you using for photography gear now? Um, what's what kind of. Uh, well, let's just start with Fuji gear and any other gear that you're using. Well, by coincidence, I am using Fuji. Who who could have guessed that that would be the case? What a uh, complete shocker. <laughs> Fuji podcast. Uh, I use the uh, Fuji X-H2. Uh, I picked that up just a couple of weeks ago. And uh, oh, by the way, they're going to be making a video about this. It'll be a quick video. But thank you, Fuji, for the latest update 3.0 which has fixed the X-H2 so that you now can assign anything to the two command dials. Yeah. And they first came out with the camera. I don't know. Do you have an XH2? 
No, but this is something that I have been hearing nonstop yeah. that they want. It, it, yeah, if you're in, if you're in manual mode, right? Your aperture is on the aperture ring, and your shutter speed is on the front, and your shutter speed is on the front command dial, and the yep. back dial was just dead. And yeah. if you wanted, to, and if you wanted to use it for ISO, you had to hit the ISO button, and then you could use it. And mm-hmm. I was like, why? Why isn't it? I mean, in manual mode, why isn't it aperture on the ring and shutter speed and ISO on the on the command dials? And they they listen to me because when I speak Fuji, you know, naturally they're going to listen to me. Of course. And so, <laughs> so uh, and so they did. And so now you can not only can you make uh make it whatever you want it to be, but you can make one of your cameras a switch button and make the front dial have three different options. So it can be shutter speed, hit this button, and now it's ISO, hit this button, and now it's something else. Yeah. So they, they, it was a great firmware. It's the kind of firmware update you're like, that's what I want to see from a camera company. You yes. know, when you just come in there and you really add a lot of functionality with an update. So that's fantastic. So I used the X-H2. Now my old main camera was the X-T4. That's now my backup camera. Yep. And uh, before I had before that, it was the uh, XT30 was my backup. Never had to use it. it was just sit in my case, just in case of an emergency. Yeah, I use um, Godox lights, uh, Flashpoint, Wisteria, depending on where you buy them. Eighty two hundreds. I have a pair of eighty two hundreds where they use for off camera lighting. I have two Godox uh, flashes. Uh, the one with the round head, the V, the Ving, and the one that doesn't have the round head. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I, mean, I hope you're writing down these technical names <laughs> the round-headed one and the non-round-headed one so I have those two flashes two off-camera flashes in the 80s hundreds and then the holy trinity of, of lenses you know the uh 18 to 55 the 50 to 150 I, I still can't remember crop because i shot full frame for so long yeah so to me it's it's 16 to 35 24 to 70 70 to 200 Right but on. Fuji, it's 18 to 55 is the middle lanes. Well, what's the long lens? 55 to 150? I think it's 50 to... 50 to 155? No. To 140, isn't it? The 140? I'm not sure. And then the, the wide one is, what, six to eight, 8 to 34? Something like that? I don't even use that lens. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But it's the Holy Trinity, right? It's the <laughs> right. it's the the whole, we call the Holy Trinity of wedding photography zoom lenses. If you have these three zoom lenses, you can shoot anything in the world except for birds. And uh, so I have those three lenses, and then I have a couple of little primes that I've picked up for one reason or another in there that I might use for a like I have a one point four prime that I might use for a ring shot or something like that. But I don't use them very much. I find myself many times when I pull out the prime and do it. And I get back and look at it. And I'm like, was it really worth getting that prime out just to get that shot? <laughs> you know, if I if I had done that at 2.8, would anyone have cared but me? And and you, the answer is no. <laughs> so so I tend to be more practical in that respect. I'm all about the primes. I, I I've the moment I switched to Fuji is when I ditched the the zoom lenses. So was, when you shoot a wedding, do you are you double carrying? Yeah, I have uh I'm dual wielding uh yeah. the I have the 18 in 55 for the most times. Uh yeah. then if if I have a lot of distance in, involved like in a church wedding or um or or a big enough dance hall, I'll go uh 33 and 56. Sorry, I have the 18 millimeter and the 33 on, on 
uh, either side and then okay uh i'll switch to 33 to 56 if i have enough room so the longest lens that you use at a wedding is the 56 it is now i used to use the um 90 millimeter but you know that's fair too much i with weddings maybe not so much but with bar mitzvahs and stuff like that i do a lot of those too i don't the 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 zoom doesn't come out that much if it comes out it comes out during the portrait session in the yeah. temple or something then you know i want to do a close-up want to make the stained glass go big in the background and i'll back up and, and pull that zoom out, zoom out but i'm fascinated by people who shoot primes at weddings because it would just freak me out it would scare me to death not having that zoom capability but at the same time i admire it and i really would like to do it but i don't want to carry two cameras so that kind of hurts you you know what i really want to do is shoot with two small cameras all natural light like if i could i told my wife that when i'm ready to com completely stop doing weddings what i'm going to do is say i'll still do weddings but i'll only do them in black and white <laughs> no one's gonna hire me <laughs> i don't and know Kevin like seems to be doing a great career right now <laughs> I, I i'm just I, i'm just saying i know guys i know guys in florida i'm not in florida i know guys in like in england for example who shoot a whole wedding with a fuji x100v and a fuji x pro and that's it and they've got like you've got they've got like a you know an 18 and a 35 or something and that's it you know and they're in there they're they're just in the mix natural light a lot of black and whites and i love that style and i'd like to do it but it's too late in my career to try and change over everything to it it also helps that everything over there is old and charming <laughs> yeah right because it's like they're coming out of this old church that was built before we had a country you know <laughs> you know it's all black and white it looks great meanwhile i'm not the vfw hall so yes <laughs> you don't get the same you don't get the same effect out of it yeah, right. if you're on the beach, of course, you can't shoot at beach, sunset. You can't be doing black and white there. That's where I really use the long lens the most is because on the beach, the bride's walkout may be 60 yards. Yes. You know, so she she's a dot when she starts walking out. <laughs> so you've got, you know, you've got and you've got the big zoom because that way you can zoom in on her and really get that good uh, bouquet and make the background blurry, which in this case, the background's like a parking lot. And so you don't want that to show anyway. So that's really the only time I pulled I pulled the big zoom out uh, nowadays. But I would love want... to, I would love to shoot with primes. I one of these days, if somebody sends me some, like if Fuji sends me some and says, "Here, here's some free primes," I'll do it. Wink, <laughs> Fuji, if you're listening. Yeah, <laughs> um, it, it, yeah. The I've done a few beach weddings, um, and, and the most difficult was when i had to do one where the the I, I i don't know what the bride was thinking i think it was somewhere along the cape but i don't know if they had permission to actually shoot on the uh, on the water so people were people were swimming they were doing all sorts of crazy stuff uh you know it was vacation time it was uh, i guess they were on vacation <laughs> people but people didn't exactly move out of the way either <laughs> so no like, oh no no um, no welcome to, welcome to my world there's a plane yeah. or a helicopter going over i don't know if you can hear it oh that sounds close <laughs> we can edit that edit that out later um you haven't lived until you tried to do a beach wedding on the beach at one of the most popular beaches in the country and which is clearwater beach on the fourth of july 
all. It, it's it's unbelievably crazy to the point where my wife owned a beach wedding company to the point where she wouldn't do it anymore. Where people were getting married on on the fourth, she was like, "Nope, sorry, we just won't do it because it's drunks and people screaming and and I'm trying to get pictures down by the water and it's just there's so many people now you gotta you gotta take all those people out in Photoshop and. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's definitely a challenge to work on the beach. And the more I did it, the less bothered I was by it. The more I did it, the more I just was I just rolled with it. When you, you know, when you first start out with wedding photography, every Uncle Bob at the wedding is ticking you off. You oh. know, every person who might be in your way, everybody's in your way. And then once you've done like 500 weddings, you just take all that in stride. Because if you don't, you're just going to have an ulcer. Yeah. You know, so once you've done enough of them, you're like, OK, this is what a wedding is. And it's not their job to get out of my way. It's my job to work around them. So I'll just work around them, you know? I um, My funniest Uncle Bob story is uh, I, I was doing a, a wedding uh, on, on the seacoast, but it wasn't a beach wedding. It was on, on one of the uh, docks uh, area. It was like this weird setup. There was a, there was a hotel, but there was also... Uh, a fishing establishment right next to it. And there was this one little thin strip where people got married and it was right over the ocean. There's docks right behind it. And uh, it was, it was cool looking, but it, I mean, it was, it was tight. And this uncle Bob brought his Canon 5d Mark, whatever with the battery grip the the 70 to 200 <laughs> lens and i'm not even using a battery grip what do you do with a battery grip uncle bob oh, man. oh he had to make that thing bigger and yeah uh, and here i am with uh i think it was the xt i think it had two no xt2 and an x pro 2 at the time and i'm like he, he's looking at my gear he's like why so small? I'm like, it's not the size, it's the motion of the ocean. <laughs> Why so big? <laughs> but I follow it up with him. I'm like, so uh, where are you planning on photographing in the parking lot down there? It's uh, <laughs> you got a bit of zoom on that thing. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's it can, my favorite one is um, I was standing back down the aisle with a zoom lens for the first kiss and the dad steps up and steps right into the middle of the aisle with his point and shoot to take a picture of the first kiss. And, <laughs> and that's the picture I got. And so then after it was over, I took him back up and staged it and got it again. Uh, yeah. But I had to, but I gave it to him, you know, when they came to see the pictures, I go, and here's your first kiss. And <laughs> the bride just goes, Oh dad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. You know, it's going to happen. Yeah. That, that hasn't happened just yet. Fortunately for iPhones, I get to, uh, shoot what's in the iphone as uh part of the photo yeah 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 but no one's gone directly in front of me i hope i didn't jinx myself off to knock on wood here um <laughs> so with your channel the one camera that you didn't mention and the one camera you feature the most right is the x100v where does right. that fall into your uh camera bag I don't use it professionally, um, really at all. I uh, I shot a part of a wedding with it. I had a wedding during COVID, and I had you know I hadn't shot for months, and it was a little wedding, and they just had me come do the ceremony and and the pictures after. So it was like a two hour shoot. Yeah. And I um I said, listen, 
you get ready to the church and everything? And they said, yeah. And I said, um, I'm going to come shoot for an hour for free. Uh, but you, uh, all the pictures are going to be in black and white. And they said, okay, it's free. We weren't even going to have you. I said, is that all right? They said, sure. And so that's what I did. I went and I shot with my X100V, uh, black and white, all natural light, and which is really tough for me indoors because I'm big on bounce flash. When I, when I travel and I teach uh, conventions and stuff, I teach off-camera lighting and bounce flash. Those are the two things I teach the most. And um, it was really hard for me to go in these, you know, let's just crank up the ISO, but it was great because there was no pressure. So yeah. it was just have fun. And I had a blast and just solidified my whole plan that that's really what I, I'd like to do in the long term. But that camera was my gateway drug to Fuji. I was shooting Canon and I wanted a camera for vacations and walkarounds and stuff like that. And so I started looking at everything and the X100V, of course, is going to pop out. You start looking for, for that sort of camera, the X100V is going to pop out quick when, you know, the first time you see it. And then you start going and looking at people's videos about it, and everyone just raves about it. So I bought the X100S, and then when they came out with the F, I bought the F, and then when they came out with the V, I bought the V. And I used that camera and loved it so much and got used to the menu system and used to the film simulations. Classic Chrome till I die, by the way. Nice. Um, and loved it so much that I started thinking, you know, what if I switched to Fuji? Because I was shooting DSLR and eventually I had to make the jump to mirrorless. What if I, what if I went to Fuji? And so then along comes the uh, pandemic and I've got no jobs for a few months. It's a perfect time for me to order all my new gear and sell all my old gear and get used to my new gear and configure my kit. And so that's what I did. And that's when I made the jump to the uh, X-T4. And the, oh man, the price difference, the price difference. I made a video about this on my channel where I show here's why I made the switch. I mean, going from full frame, no one goes from full frame to APS-C, right? They they start in APS-C and then they go to full frame. I went backwards. No, and that's not true. I, I went from full frame to APS-C. Did you? Okay. Yeah. Well, because there's still this whole thing where people talk about uh, APS-C being inferior to full frame and that's not true. Yeah, it's we call them different. Sony photographers. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's just different than full frame. You know, yeah. it's not the same thing. You're like full frame. Full frame, you know, you can you can get that more shallow depth of field, and you can just as easily say, yeah. And with APS-C, you can get a deeper depth of field. <laughs> yeah. What do you want? Do you want to shy? Because not everyone wants a more shallow depth of field. If I'm taking pictures on a dance floor in a hot, in a dark at a dark wedding, um, with my full frame. I'm at 3.5, maybe four, maybe five, six. But with my can with my Fuji, oh, I'm at 2.8 all day because the depth of field is going to be is going to be deeper because at on on the on the crops because of the crop factor, I'm going to have to either zoom out more or back up more, and that's going to affect my my depth of field. So that you know, it's just different. It just depends on what you need and what you want. So anyway, I I I went I made the switch to Fuji, and I never looked back. And I saved. Oh man. I put my whole kit together for under $6,000. I bought the X-T4, the X-T30, two new Godox flashes, a remote for the for the uh, lights. I bought a $350 or $400 camera bag from Think Tank. I bought a new bag. Um, others, oh, and three brand new lenses, the, the Holy Trinity. And I did all of that and, and spent less money than it would have cost for me to stay with Canon and keep my lenses. Isn't that I would maybe replace one lens? But I was at that point where I knew that 
I could stay with my lenses, but I would have to replace them eventually because I had shot 500 weddings, most of them on the beach, and my lenses would just be all the pieces. So I knew I was going to have to replace them eventually. So once I started looking at that number, it was just, there's there's no way you can look at those two numbers and say, okay, I'm going to go with Canon here and uh, it's going to cost me an extra three to $4,000, but I'm absolutely going to make that up in in work that I'm going to get because I'm using this camera. That's not going to happen. You know, it's just not gonna happen. from a business standpoint not going to happen no one no one looks at my work and goes mm, you must not be using full frame <laughs> no one <laughs> never says that nobody does that you can't get a bad camera you know you really can't at this point so money i think i think price more than anything has become a factor now in in buying your gear i mean it's always been a factor but there's always also been i feel like a noticeable difference back when i was shooting canon if i was using my canon 5d mark iii and the person who was shooting with me was using like a an aps-c canon when they gave me their files and i looked at them in my computer with my files i could tell you just from looking at the thumbnails which ones were her files and which ones were my files there was a difference but not now now no no so APS-C I think is the future and Fuji if you're going to go APS-C if that's the future well let's go with the company that does nothing but make APS-C yeah agree you know, well the medium format too but that's for crazy people <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say as crazy it is Fuji man did they rock the world with with, with their medium format I mean oh god yes Remember when we said $10,000, holy crap, how did it get right. that cheap? <laughs> right, right. I don't have an, I, I've never shot with it and I've been invited to, I, you know, they've said, hey, we'll send you one and you can shoot for it for a month. And I'm like, no, because I'm scared to death that I, that once I get it in my hands, that I won't want to let go of it. I have a friend of mine, Tony Corbell, and Tony's a Fuji shooter and, and, uh, and I saw him at WPPI. And he was, he yelled at me. He's like, I've been shooting with the medium format. And I'm like, really? He's like, oh my God, you've got to, you've got to try it. You got to come, you got to come see it. I'm going to bring you mine. And I was like, no, 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 please don't. I don't want to drive the Rolls Royce. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a great, I've got a great car here. I don't want to drive the Corvette. Please just keep the medium format away from me. Because I think, I think that all cameras are getting smaller. Um, you know, medium format is, is, is dying out and it's been full frame is, is the new medium format and APS-C is the new full frame. And eventually I think within 10, 15 years, we'll be talking about micro four thirds and shooting weddings with micro four thirds. That'll be interesting to see when that day comes. But in the meantime, man, Fujifilm, they may, I got to tell you, man, you're probably right to stay away from the medium format because it is, it is tempting. I I, yeah. I used the 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 X100 and X50 uh, the GFX the the 150s and put that with the 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 80 millimeter 1.7 oh my god that was and like the 50 millimeter full frame range it, it is my cup of tea that that is predominantly where I. I, I shoot. So that's why I'm always using the, the 33 millimeter on, on the X series cameras. And, oh man, th- this thing was just amazing. And the only thing that prohibited me from actually 
delving into it for weddings is one it's heavy it, it, it'd be like shooting cannon again <laughs> right oh yeah it's a it's a big brick it's like a little it's like carrying around a paperback book but heavy yeah and, and two it's it's not as fast as the the x series there's still a lot of things that happen in weddings that i i need i need speed for example cake cutting like Sometimes that becomes a contact sport and you want to be yeah. able to capture that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, so it's, it was tempting. I, I did photograph one wedding with it and it went really well, but then I did another wedding the next year and it was on one of the hottest days of the year. And, and, and that, that camera weight really got to me. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, put this away now let's get the x series back out you know i thought that the camera weight was a big deal for me with my cameras and then i discovered that size was a bigger deal because when i when i went to the xt4 the first thing i had to do was get a, a grip for it not a not a full grip but just a uh just a grip to make it a little bit, a little bit bigger my, one of my problems with cameras getting smaller is that it's hard for me to hold them yes you know, and get a good grip on them, especially the Fuji cameras, because with all the dials, the, the retro look. And so it was a big deal to go to the X-H2 because the X-T4 and the X-T5, they're just beautiful. They've got the big dials and, and everyone loves that. And I love it too. But the truth was that over a long wedding, you know, five hours, six hours holding that camera, uh, it just didn't. I was hard because I, I don't know how you, I don't wear mine in a strap. I use a spider holster. So I'm constantly picking my camera up with my right hand from my hip, like a gun. Yeah. Right? And I just, I needed a better grip. I needed a better grip. So when I switched to the uh, X-H2, man, uh, the first, very first wedding, I was like, oh, my hand was so much better off the next day. I had the same issues with uh, every Fujifilm camera, except for the X-Pro3. Uh, and because of that, I always had a L bracket attached to my cameras to, to help right. with the grip. Uh, I, I'm in the same boat. Like the, the grip wasn't, it was just under that. It didn't feel totally comfortable. So the L bracket helped fix that except for the X pro three, because with the screen being hidden, I was able to have my thumb just take up that real estate and it just felt like holding a real film camera again. Right. And oh my God, that was like such a, such a game changer. I personally think that that alone was how it got photographers to fall in love with that camera just by holding it. Uh, that's my theory. I'm sticking to it. I have no definitive proof. <laughs> I think that's. I think that's most of the Fuji cameras. the The first attraction to Fuji is the style of the camera, and that's important. You know, I always say, don't discount that. You want a camera that you want to that you want to pick up. That was the thing about the X with the X100V. It's sitting on the counter. Every time I look at it. I just want to pick it up. I'm like, I, I'm like, is there something I can take a picture of? I've taken so many pictures of just mundane, stupid stuff in my house just because I want to take a picture with that camera. Yeah. You know, that's a major achievement to design something like that. And it Fuji is, is like the only, Fuji's the only one who's doing it. Although Nikon did come out with that little Z camera, which just looks like a classic SLR, but smaller, which yeah. I, and I really applaud that, you know, but still, you know, the rangefinder look of the X100 series is what's, 
is what people are going to love. It's what's really going to attract people. Listen, I don't want to go off on a side tangent, but have you taken a look at all the specs and everything on the new XS20? The XS20, I got to say, it's it's pretty sick. It really is. Like I was just like I never really paid attention to the XS10 and then the XS20 comes out and I start looking at it and I'm like here's what Fuji's doing with the XS20 that I love. I love it when a camera company says we're making a line of different cameras and you can look at each one of these cameras and you can tell who it's for. Yes. Right? I don't like it when Canon is horrible about this. Canon is, oh, it's, which one do you want? Do you want the uh, the five or the six or the seven or the eight or the one? And you and it's like they're all just minutely different. And But with Fuji, I really like the separation they're starting to put in where it's like if someone comes to me and says – I'm, you know, I want to vlog. I want to, I want to shoot video, something small, travel. Yeah, you want the XS20. I want something a small, nostalgic. I don't want lenses. You want the 100V. Yep. I, I want the best camera Fuji makes. You want the XH2. You know, I want the second best camera makes. They want you want the XT5. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, you know, I want the best video camera they make. You want the XH2S. You know, I I like that, and they've really dialed it in with the XS S twenty because that camera is meant for vloggers. If you want a small camera, takes great photos, but also is custom built for vlog. I mean, it's even got software the other cameras don't have. Where if you're shooting yourself and you've got the screen flipped around, you there's a setting called vlog. Now, with yeah. no other cameras doing this, where the what screen a novel concept <laughs> right now, where the screen changes, I haven't I don't know what it does, but it changes to make it easier for you to control the camera by touching the screen. Because we're trying to control the camera when you're shooting yourself by controlling it with the buttons on top and the dials, that's difficult. So, like, let's make it easier for people who are recording themselves. If I didn't already have a nice 4K camera that I use for my videos. I absolutely would have looked at, at getting an XS20 just to use it for shooting shooting my YouTube channel. It also you 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 can uh, use it as a webcam without yes natively software. yeah natively as a webcam no special software. That I'm, I geez I might sell the X XT4 just for that and the new the new Fuji app they came out on the same day the new Fuji app if you tried the what do you think tried the app. The new Fuji app is great. Connects piece of cake. Connects to both my cameras, no problem. The minute I turn it on, my cameras connect right away. None the old, you know, because the old Fuji app left a lot to be desired. But the new one, new Sheree Bob, hooked it right up to the X100V, started taking self-portraits of myself, firing it off with the with the camera with the uh phone. Worked great. I mean, I just feel like that. Wow, this is also a great start this year, Fuji. Yeah, it's a good app. I the only thing I, I, and this is a me problem, not a Fuji problem. Uh, the only thing that I needed to do was now make sure I, I I'm, I'm pressing that, uh, blue, uh, Bluetooth button. Now, whenever I want to share photos to the iPhone, uh, I think that's a great, uh, change, uh, the, the, the way the cameras function, being able to have one dedicated button to say, Hey, start talking to the app. And, and instead of doing the the whole menu system and all that is that is that the way it works because for me i just i open up the app and then in the app i say connect to the camera and the camera connects i need to for for me i tried that and it never worked i needed to hold down the the back button 
to activate the 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 pairing to the, the right the pairing board. yeah but once you get it paired do you have to do it i needed to do it every time hmm maybe i'm doing something wrong or maybe you're right and i've just forgotten uh, again it, it it's it wasn't that big a deal uh I whatever just, I, here's the thing it. whatever it was it was still infinitely faster and easier and more intuitive than the old app yes <laughs> no um, doubt about that the other thing that and i'm hearing contrary stories so i don't know if this is true or not but the app always needs to know where you are it, it needs to have the the geolocation always functioning I think, yeah, in the setup for the app, it says that. You've got to turn that on. And I don't know if it's been draining my battery uh, on my iPhone. Uh, I, I have it set to off, and <laughs> it's uh, it's always it's always uh, complaining that I have it set to off. Um, I'll only turn it on when I'm using the app. But anyway, I, I, I don't know if that's a if that's something that's being addressed or if it's even a thing i just keep hearing weird things and my iphone is draining a lot more now it might be yeah because i i had to on the old app i had to do that i had to turn it off because in my notifications it would always say yeah camera is ready to shoot <laughs> yeah like, yeah turn that off. let's let's turn that off but i do like um i do like that like if you're on vacation with my x100v I'll have it set to automatically transfer. And so then you're just shooting all day and throughout the day, it's automatically transferring it to your phone. And so you then get back at the end of the day, back to your hotel room or whatever, and you pull up your phone and there's all the pictures you shot that day. And if you want to pick a couple of them and touch them up or whatever and throw them onto Instagram or whatever you can. Whereas before, you had to get back, go in, set everything up and be like, okay, now let's download them and wait for that to happen. And and uh, so I, I, I like that they're making it easier for you to shoot with your camera and have it instantly be in your phone. Because one of the biggest attractions to shooting with your phone is that the picture's in your phone and now you can quickly put it on social media or whatever you want it to. And yeah. so if we can if we can make it so it's almost instantaneous, so that it's going from your from your camera to your phone, I'm all for it. For vacations, I see that as a huge plus. For right. weddings, no so much <laughs> <laughs> no you don't want 1500 images going to your going to your phone <laughs> at least um it's i i'm really excited to see what fuji does this year it, it seems like they have cleaned house just to make room for everything that's new coming up uh they i know supply chains are an issue uh, so getting rid of discontinuing all the old stuff to make way for the new stuff, I think is, is exciting. It, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty intense. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what they could have coming. That's the thing. They replaced the, the new XH2 came out and then, and the XT5 came out. Okay. So that's, that's the big flagships, even though for a lot of people, the XH1 was a non-existent camera practically. And it's because it had just come out so much earlier than the five, than the four and the four became the flagship camera. And in many ways, the five still is the flagship camera in the same way that with Canon, the, the ones were always the best, fastest cameras that they had and everything, but not that many people actually used them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it was um, for a very but, select group. 
Yeah, but with X with with Fuji, it's not a problem because the difference in price is like three hundred dollars. Yeah, so it's not such a big deal with Canon. If you want to go to the one, whoo! Uh, but I don't know what they can have coming next because I really question the X Pro. I would really love to see the numbers on the X Pro. How many X Pros do they really sell? That camera is so odd. I mean, it's 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 odd in a great way. Yes. I mean, I love that camera. I love the idea of that camera, but. There's just so few people who are going to get that when they could get an X-T5 or they could get an X-T30 or they could get an X-100V. You know, I I, 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 I think it muddles the water for that whole, let's make something that looks and feels like it's from 1968 uh, with the X-Pro. So I, I almost would be okay. I'd be okay if the X-Pro went away. I would. I don't know what they would replace it with <laughs> or not replace it at all. And and I can't imagine they're going to come out with a new X100 anytime soon. They they've got they're selling the current one. I saw somebody list one. Uh, a friend of mine sent me a picture today and said, "Has the world gone nuts?" And someone had just listed their uh, still in the box uh, X100 V for eighteen hundred. That's that's about average from what I'm seeing. Five hundred dollars over retail. Yeah. Is it brand new? Yeah, he sits in the box. He like just didn't didn't work. Didn't like it or whatever. And so now he's selling it for five hundred dollars more than I presumably he paid for it. I mean, it's not crazy that he might get it. <laughs> I know. And how long is this going to go on? I how, how many months has it been now that it's been on short supply and people are buying it like crazy? So the funny thing about that is, I actually looked at eBay and I looked at some other sites and uh keh is selling it used for full price so it's it's your what it is brand new is what it is used um and, and i guess it's in stock uh, i'm not seeing anything that says it's that it isn't um on ebay i'm seeing it between one thousand dollars and up to 2200 oh my god i don't think people it's so fa it's so fascinating to me i made a video i made a video about this i make a video about everything but i made a video about this and it's so fascinating to me that this camera that's been around forever it's the v it's the fifth one this, this is not a new camera you know photographers have known about this camera yeah, but it's it's amazing to me that now the general public is jumping on this bandwagon to get this camera and the things besides, except for the way that the camera looks, right? Everybody gets to that. But the other things about the camera that make it cool are things that only a photographer really can understand. Yeah. The, the, the average person who makes stuff, does stuff on TikTok, and they're trying to buy an X100V, wouldn't know a leaf shutter if it bit them. You know, they, they, they don't understand flash sync speed and that, you know, well, leaf shutter, you can flash sync it at one two thousandth of a second. They don't know what that means. Yeah, you've already got over their heads. <laughs> you what? You've already got over their heads. You lost. Right. They don't know. They don't. They don't know what that means. Meanwhile, somebody like me, I'm like, that's one of the things that makes the X100V so fantastic, is that you can be outside on a super bright day, and you're going to blow out the sky, you know, and because and you're going to blow out the sky unless you shut your aperture way down. You shut your aperture way down. The sun's behind people, so you shut your aperture down. The sun's behind them, and now you've got your sky. But your people 
you can't see your people because they're in shadow because the sun's behind them. So you turn on the flashes on the camera or you've got a flash, you know, a second flash on the camera, whatever you want to do. And you can't get enough light on them because you're shooting at F-22. Yeah. Right. And one two fifty, you know, with a normal camera. But with the Fuji, no problem. Just crank it up to one two thousandths of a second and open your aperture up to, you know, whatever three or four stops is in the other direction. And now you've just increased the increased the power of your flash. You know, in theory, you've just two, four, eight, you know, 16 times. Your flash just got 16 times more powerful because you were able to raise the shutter speed without affecting the flash, which meant you could open up the aperture, which does affect the flash. And that's huge. I mean, I guess I'm weird because I spent so much time working in bright sun that that's a a very unique problem that I had to deal with a lot. So the, the leaf shutter is extremely cool. And then it's got that great four-stop neutral density filter built into it. Mm, yeah. So if you're outside that. shooting on a sunny day and you want to shoot somebody at f2.8 or f2, no problem. Hit that neutral density filter, four stops, and I can shoot at f2. Now, uh, the reason they have that on there. selling it. Well, the thing about <laughs> it, well, here's the thing, though. The re- the thing about the neutral density filter is you sell it, you're like, oh my gosh, the neutral density filter is so great because you can do that. Yeah, but the re- they, they have it on there for a reason. It's not because they just thought it was cool. It's because the leaf shutter can't go at over four thousandths of a second. Yes. So with any other camera, you could just go to eight or 16 or whatever. You go to a faster shutter speed and that would knock your sun down. So but <laughs> with the foods, you can't. So you got to put the neutral density filter in play, but it's still, it's four stops. So it says two to four to eight, let's see, to four, eight, 16, 32. So it puts your camera at the equivalent of one thirty-two thousandths of a second shutter speed in terms of light. Yep. So I, you know, it's just, I, it's a quirky little, awesome little camera. And you know, I read the other day, which I thought was amazing was that the um, Leica's, what's the Leica yeah. camera? Also has a leaf shutter and they've never, ever talked about it. No, Leica's never promoted it. The new, the new Leica is out. You know, the little one that's the same size, right? They cost six thousand dollars, and the new it's out. And um, the flash sync speed is like one five hundredth or something. And somebody, some press person, was talking to them, and they were like, "It's a leaf shutter." And they were like, "What? Why don't you advertise that it's a leaf shutter?" <laughs> you know, because no one does leaf shutter except for Fuji on the X100 and uh they just never really thought it was worth mentioning. They uh they j- just why why bother? <laughs> they, they, well, the theory is people are the people buying who, it to people who spend $6,000 on that like a probably don't even know what the leaf shutter is anyway. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure the dentist my, my, is uh, my podcast my, just... my pod yeah, my podcast partner says that Leicas are built for dentists. Yep. Dentists people, and, uh... people have a lot a lot of money and they like photography. <laughs> occasionally you'll get the photographer that's really liking it oh i love it believe me if somebody wanted to give me one absolutely i would love to have that little like a but uh, i'm not gonna buy one over the fuji x100v are you crazy There's i would no like way. to use one just to see what all the hype is about i've never i don't think there is i don't think there is any hype i mean people are cuckoo for cocoa puffs uh, i know but i mean i don't think it's real i don't think it's legitimate hype I've owned. Don't think so? I've owned BMWs, and they're not that much nicer than than other cars. They're really not. It's it's um you know it's oh I've met some crazy BMW fans. Oh, uh, I know. I, I worked I with one in the back. And, and, and you're going to meet crazy Leica fans. 
You know, it's, it's, it's like a, they, they invest more money in their brand than anybody. They invest all their money in the idea that they are a very special and unique camera for a very special and unique person who has a lot of money. And that's what, and that's what they, that's what they push and it works for them. And, and I think it's a good idea because otherwise they couldn't compete in the market. They've got to carve out their own slice and that's their slice. But when it comes to their little point and shoot, $6,000 versus well, you know, if it's supposed to be thirteen hundred. Yeah, hundred V. Um, it's not. It's not even close to a decision. Buy the Fuji X one hundred V, and then go buy yourself an XT five while you're at it. A couple right. of lenses. <laughs> the money that you save. So, what do you think is going to be the next camera from Fujifilm? <sighs> okay, well, what is it not going to be? Because it's not going to be the XH. Not going to be the XT. Right not going to be it's not going to be the x100 i if they were planning to launch that thing soon i think they'd push it back i mean um, it would be the right thing to do I, well the first how do you improve it Process. bigger battery bigger battery and the new sensor that's it you can't put the bigger battery in that camera there's no way to fit a bigger to fit the same battery that goes into the xh's and the xt's you cannot fit that battery into the x100 without radically changing the camera and they're not going to do that, right? So how are they going to improve it? Because they fixed everything when they went from the F to the V. They made the lens sharper. They they weather sealed it. They gave you a little flippy screen. I think it, the weather they, sealing could be better. Well, yeah. yeah. It could be better by not having to have the filter put on the front. Yeah. But if you do that, you're going to have to extend the native lens that's built into the camera. You're going to have to extend it. You know, the reason they don't have the weather sealing is because is because when that camera focuses... The, the it moves you know the the lens elements move in and out and that's where the moisture gets into the camera and i can live with it extended a little bit yeah so they would have to extend it a little bit and then put a solid piece of glass in front of it yeah but i've never had a have never had a big problem with weather sealing anyway i i don't see a lot of ways to improve that camera right now not so much that they need to do it so that's off the table they just came out with the xs20 so what's left the x pro that's it the X Pro, I think, really needs it. I think they, I think they shot for the moon and passed it, <laughs> and went for the stars instead. Um, I, I really think they overthought it, and I think the titanium frame was was too much. I think that prevented it from being sold at a lower price. Really, uh, I, I think. I like the hidden LCD screen, but I think if they get rid of that stupid, the, the e-ink thing, I, I could deal without that. I think that's been breaking the, the LCD screens a little bit too much with, with the displays back to back. Just LCD screen is fine. Have it hidden, but fold it out, twist it, fold it back. And you have yourself your, LCD screen visible if you want it. I just don't know who that camera's for. Oh, you're you're talking to one. <laughs> if they what does that, that camera do? What does that camera do for you that an XT4 can't do for you? Well, let me turn it around and, and say, what does the XT4 do that the X X Pro can't do? Uh, well. First of all, in the hand, the XT4 feels better. Ah, see, the, the that's that's 
from your point of view, yes. From my <laughs> well, point it's of always, view, it's always it's always subjective. <laughs> it is. Um, it's very subjective. Yeah, I think because there's the just nothing to grab on the X Pro. And then, well, the XT4 has a flip screen that'll come all the way around if you're taking a picture of yourself or you're setting up uh, to do a headshot. And you need to take a picture of yourself to see if your light is right. You can't do that with the X Pro. I mean, the X Pro's got that whole back where you the screen thing and all. I, it was just so niche, and I'm and going niche with like the XS20 geared at a particular person who's using a camera for a particular thing, I understand. But with the X-Pro, I can't look at that camera and say, that camera is designed to do this. You know what I mean? Like you can't really do that with the XV100, with the X100 either. It's not like that camera is designed to do a certain job. But with the X-Pro, it's a bigger camera and a lot of weird little things in it. And I just can't think of a situation where I go, oh, oh, you're doing that? Oh, well, then you know what? You need the X-Pro. There's no, you know what I'm saying? It just, it's just yeah. like this quirky little, it's for, it's, it's the Volkswagen thing. It's for people who just happen to really like that, that type of camera. It was very street photographer centric. Uh, they want, I mean, I can't, <laughs> with, with, the advertising that they did for the X Pro Three, they really wanted it to just be pure photography, I, and I think, I think that was a bridge too far. Um, there is a Leica camera that has no LCD screen, and they charge you a thousand dollars more for it. I think <laughs> <laughs> it's the same way if you buy the monochrome one, right? <laughs> but I had to eat my words on that because I made fun of that, and it comes come to find out that the monochrome camera. The fact that it only shoots monochrome does affect the images. You can shoot better in low light with that camera. Yes. Um, I I, I don't recall the science, but I remember hearing it and it made sense. That's the one I really want. Leica, if you're listening. That's the one I really want. Send me that little Leica monochrome one. Send me that one. (laughs) I'll tell you what. Um, When, who, who, who else made the black and white camera? Was it Panasonic? I don't know. I feel like maybe somebody did. Somebody else made a a, a, a black and white camera. I want to say it's Panasonic that made it, and it sold gangbusters. And I really think, yes. And, and I'm I'm almost positive that Fuji has seen these numbers, seen the sales, and, and is reconsidering a, a black and white only X100 or X Pro. I, I oh man i guarantee you if it's gonna happen it's gonna happen to the that would be tempting because because i don't know what you'd have to do i mean if, if they come out with a, a new regular x x100 i'll upgrade because that's i'm all in on the x100 yeah so so i'll upgrade if they come out with it but if they were to come out with that and also come out with a monochrome version it would be hard pressed for me to be like, you know, I'll just keep the V if I want color and I'll go to the monochrome. I shoot in monochrome most of the time with my V. I like to go out. Um, when I was in New York, for example, I was in New York doing a, doing street photography in New York and I uh, shot in monochrome the whole time. I shot in raw so I could convert it to color if I wanted to. Yeah. But I like to shoot in monochrome. It's much easier to get your light right. You know, because we're at the age now where you don't have to watch your meter like you used to. You're, you're in real time. You can see the image. 
uh, as you're doing it. And in monochrome, you can really, you really pay attention to your shadows and you're blowing out highlights uh, much more effectively in monochrome, I think. Uh, at least I do. So I like to shoot in monochrome and then just convert it to color later if I want it. I've always had a hard time shooting in monochrome. That I, I envy the people who do it. But man, I could never do it successfully. Really? Wait, I mean, what do you mean you couldn't do it successfully? What is? I what don't know. It just doesn't like? come out looking good. I, I I don't know. I I can't put my finger on it. But shooting in black and white, I'm I'm always second guessing how I'm doing it. Um, it, it just I don't know. It just doesn't look good. It doesn't look good as everybody else's. Like okay, well, listen. I think you're not alone there. I think that's really common. I think that most people are under the mistaken impression that black and white is simpler. That if I'm shooting in black and white, I just get this beautiful black and white image when I'm done. And they don't realize that the stuff that you see online, that the great black and white images that you see, they are worked over just as much in Photoshop or just as much in Capture One or Lightroom as the color images are. Yeah. Uh, because I have, I've had that too, where I'm like, mine just seem kind of... I don't know, these other the other people that they kind of pop and then i discovered a little thing called levels <laughs> and then i discovered a little thing called contrast yeah <laughs> and curves and that's and color you know let's let's bring up the red channel let's bring up the yellow channel uh once you start doing that then suddenly you're like oh i see these great black and whites are manipulated they're made into great black and whites yeah so that's what's going on with you because most of the time when i shoot in black and white and when i get it into the the end of the computer i can see there's an image there but i'm like mm, it's kind of flat or maybe it's kind yeah. of muddy so let's go in and start playing with the levels and let's play with the contrast and see if we can make it pop more okay all right so i, I see what you say now do you shoot with the black and white or do you shoot with the a-cross uh I that's a good question i think i probably shot with the a-cross by the way thank you for telling me how it's pronounced i i, I honestly don't know i'm saying it both <laughs> ways so both both emails will will will, <laughs> will get to pick it pick it apart. I shoot with the acros, uh, but I brought them in. I just tested it recently, and I couldn't tell the difference. All right, I really cool. couldn't. I really couldn't see the difference just looking at them on my screen. I couldn't see the difference between the acros and the monochrome. Are, th are those the ones I tested? No, no, no. Here's what it was. I had acro set, and then I switched it to black and white in capture one to see if i noticed a difference in the image and i didn't see a difference but it was already black and white when i switched it so i guess i was just looking to see if there was like more contrast or deeper black or something like that, and i didn't see any difference at all so i i mean obviously like if you're using the green filter or the yellow filter you're going to see a difference there but uh, maybe i just haven't developed the eye to be able to see the difference between monochrome and acros and converting to black and white in your software <laughs> <laughs> that'd be a nice i mean, make a note real quick make a video <laughs> make a video about the black and white modes and see if you can tell the difference and if you can talk about it that's a good video thank you there you go <laughs> that's a freebie um man i it's tempting to try maybe for the next wedding i do the next outdoor wedding that i do uh, I, I will i will try that I, I, will I don't shoot. I don't shoot. No, no, don't be wrong. I don't shoot weddings and events in black and white. I shoot them for fun in black and white, but I don't shoot weddings. I shoot in color when I shoot weddings and events. But just talking about it now with you, I'm just now thinking 
hmm, I got a big 30th wedding anniversary party. I'm going to be doing a lot of stuff, uh, and it's going to be at the beach uh, this Saturday. There you and, go. And, you know, maybe I'll just flip it over and shoot in monochrome with the Raws and and see if it changes my initial exposures. But I doubt it will because I've done so much on the beach. I know exactly what it's supposed to look like in the camera. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I figure if I'm going to be shooting raw and JPEGs, uh, I might as well have fun with the JPEGs. I usually yeah. <laughs> shoot I usually shoot nostalgic negative. That's that's my film choice. I if I if I didn't shoot if I didn't shoot uh classic chrome, I would. I shoot is it high neg? Uh there's yeah, I think there's this. Uh, oh God, what is, what is it? It's some this high and and low, right? High neg. I would shoot high neg if I didn't shoot in classic chrome. I would shoot high neg, and I shoot classic chrome all the time. I don't shoot it just for like weddings or whatever. I headshots. I do everything. And classic chrome is the look of Blu-ray Perry photography. Classic chrome is such an amazing. I love I love it, and I've gotten so used to it now that if I I kick that camera over to Provia or Provia. Have you pronounced it? Yeah. Oh my God. It just seems so oversaturated to me. It does. It is, especially if you, if you just the, the, the classic Chrome straight out of the package, it, it is. I just love it. <laughs> it is crazy. I, 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 because I, I used to desaturate my images just a tiny bit. I always thought they were a little too rich. Let's desaturate them just a little bit. And classic Chrome does that for you. And it changes your greens a little bit, changes your blues a little bit. And uh, I just, I love the look. And I decided uh, when I switched to Fuji, I'm like, that's going to be my look. And so I shoot everything in classic Chrome. That's a default setting on my cameras. I've never had them out. Of, I've never had them out of class. My pro cameras have never been out of classic Chrome ever. Classic Chrome, man. I remember when that first came out. And I think Fujifilm really created such an amazing storm of, of, of love for that film simulation and being able to retrofit it to previous models was just the icing on the cake that really sealed the deal about what the Kaizen thing was, was all about. And it, it is, it, it, it's the, what one of their defining moments in, in photography for their photography history, I think. And then they stopped doing it, which is the other defining <laughs> problem with Fujifilm. I think that has been such a disappointment that they don't retrofit the the newer stuff to to the older stuff. But I get it. I mean, I I, I feel the same way. But at the same time, you understand that it's business. They've got you can't fix it so that every time you come out with a new camera, everything that's in it you push to the old cameras. You could do it to some. Yeah, that, yeah, it just <laughs> depends. Like if you come out with a new cl a film sim on, on a camera, then you know every camera that was a new release for the last year, let's push it to those. Agreed. That because you're not gonna you're not gonna come out with a new one. Like if you you know if the X if the X new X V the X one hundred whatever it's gonna be called comes out you know in three months and has a new film sim, then push it to the XT five and the XH two and the XH2S, because it's not like you're going to be replacing those cameras in the next 
year or two with a new model that's going to have that sim you know what i mean so that's the way it should be it, you should push it to any camera that's at least two years out from being updated agreed that that alone would have i i think satisfied well let's face it satisfied me <laughs> maybe, maybe <laughs> the only person that's really important else. Yeah. But I I just want that consistent appearance in all my photos. Right. Like like if I'm if I have an XT4 and an XT5 on either side of me, I want them to be able to shoot pretty close to one another. And the the fact that I have to use two different film simulations for them is just it it, it I don't like it. it. It hurts a little. And so now I just use Provia and just do everything and, uh, you know, just fix Raws. I have lost my love for film simulations. <laughs> really? I love them still. Well, I mean, I would, I'd would. i be the same way. If I can't have the same film simulation on both my cameras, then that's a deal killer. Yeah. So... That's 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 <laughs> it's my butthurt story. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what comes next. I I think it'll be an X Pro 3. That's just my my thoughts. It'll be updated. I think they 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 won't make it as indestructible yet destructible <laughs> again. What will they do? I mean, maybe they put the new sensor in it. Maybe. Maybe not, yeah. you know, uh, uh, because it's the next Pro Three. Who knows? But what what are they going to do next to it? That's you know, what are they going to put bellows? What are they going to do next? Oh, I mean, because they awesome. went so off the releva- rev- reservation on the last one that I just don't know what you could do to make that camera more unique. I mean, I I'm excited because back, if they pull it off, go ahead. I think they pull back and make it as it should have been. But and, then make as many. Okay, but then again, it won't stand out. What what will what will make that you know noticeably different? So when you say well, how should it be? Okay, so the they get rid of the the fake thing on the back, you know the the little screen on the back, and they give you a regular screen. The, I I see them getting rid of the entire. I, I personally love the 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 hidden screen. I would love to keep that, but I think what's going to really happen is it's going to have an LCD screen very similar to what the XE4 is, where it can flip out and look over the look over the top. Okay, that's that's one option. I would not expect them to go that way with it because that would make that camera so not the style of camera that it's supposed to be. If they do that, you know, yeah, people who love that camera, they love the camera because it doesn't have a flippy screen. Right. I think I'd be very surprised if they did. I I feel like if they did that, they would have to take that camera in a whole new direction away from its. We want to make a camera that, you know, looks like something your dad owned in the in the war. Yeah. Alternatively, um, I think if you really want to do the safe bet, have the same. Flippy screen as the not flippy screen, but have the same LCD screen as a uh, screen uh, LCD screen as the XT5. Right, that's, and that's a, what I would expect. Yeah, that's uh, what I would expect from the show. And 
give it ibis i think okay, that's yeah yeah okay what everybody wants and so the real big differentiating factor is going to be that optical viewfinder which a lot of people still love let me lay this on you go on on the x100s yep what if they came out with the next version of the x100 yeah and you could change the lenses but it wasn't an x mount because the x100 has a leaf shutter right which is built into the lens so let's say they came out with the x100 but you could change the lenses and they only released three lenses for it a super wide a medium and like you know the equivalent of say an 85 so like say the equivalent of say a 24 a 50 and an 85 that's it those are the only three lenses built-in leaf shutters built specifically for that camera and that's it fascinating yeah <laughs> what if oh, all right because if you put because if you can say this thing if you if you put an interchangeable lens on that camera people are going to go they're going to be very upset yeah but if you did it right if you were like no no it's interchangeable but it's going to have its own line of lenses they're all primes there's only three of them because i mean i mean they already teased with that anyway when they, they came up with the two editions right the little wide screw on and the telephoto screw on for it so it's not like they haven't already it's not like they don't recognize that there's a market for people who own that camera want to go a little bit wider or a little bit more zoom yeah now what if alternatively what if they really played up the 40 megapixel sensor and gave you an x100 that was natively 18 millimeters well i've i've always been a fan of that i've I've always wanted um the lens to be a little wider 35 millimeter is the universal i mean i shot high school sports and everything rest fast shot all with 35 yeah and so i get that 35 is a great but if it was up to me it'd be 24 equivalent 24 yeah so i'd want it to be a little bit wider I, I have that wider adapter that you put on it specifically for that reason but that still only gets you to like 32 or something equivalent right. <laughs> give or take. so it's what if that, they have that, that much but yeah give us awesome yeah, give us a, give it, yeah giving us a wider lens you know would be good the other thing would be if they kept it with a with a permanent lens but they gave you a, a just a little bit of a built-in zoom optical zoom but if you did that the camera would have to be the lens would have to be bigger it would throw the whole camera off but it would use the digital zoom instead it, it, because it's right we've got that now but what if they actually yeah. included an optical zoom in the camera that would be oh man that would i mean th th then you'd have the x pro <laughs> but it would be right but it would throw the whole camera off because it you'd would. have to the, the lens would have to be bigger but what I'd really like to see instead would be three lenses, leaf shutter, a pancake lens about the size of the one that's on it right now, one that's a little bit bigger, which is about a 50 millimeter equivalent, and another one that's about an 85. I would, I would love buy, it. I would buy two. I would buy the super wide and the 85. You know what I think they would do it for? If they were going to do it for anything, it would be the GFX 50R update. May just just totally do that as uh because people have been asking for a x100 version for the gfx system for a while now really yeah people uh, I, I mean me personally i loved the 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 50r that rangefinder style was just 
I mean, I, I just love that style. It, I, I, it was the only one of the GFX system that had the, 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 the dials. Uh, it was it, essentially it's a, it's an XE two that was that, that ate a mushroom from super Mario brothers <laughs> and it just grew bigger. <laughs> um, but it, it was slow as molasses. Um, if you update that and give it the leaf shutters, oh man, yeah. that, that would be sick. Yeah, that's an idea. That's an idea. I mean, how great is it that Fuji's at this place where we can't come up with what their next camera should be because they, they've got a lineup that pretty much covers every base. Yes. Oh man. Like I said, it's exciting. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And it's so, it's so funny when I talk to my friends or I'm at conventions because I'll be at a convention. I don't meet a single person who shoots Fuji, but me. And they, and they look at me like I'm weird. <laughs> and I try to explain to them that a awesome camera B, the only camera company that actually makes film. So they understand color science a little bit better than anybody else does. Yes. Uh, and, and C, they, they seem to really, really do a better job with designing cameras specifically for specific needs. And that's what makes them so fun. You pick up this camera, you pick up any Canon camera, it's the same camera in your hand. Yes. But Fuji? No, that's not the case. It really is tailored to the photography experience. There, there is such yeah. emphasis. You can that that and that that's the amazing part about it is that you don't have to spend a ton of money. Any camera is going to give you visually, for the most part, the same results. So you don't have to worry about like, for example, Canon, where the 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 one D and the five D and the seven D are, are are giving you radically different images. With Fujifilm, you're going to get great images across the board. Now right. it's now it's how it's going to fit. Is this is this better for you? Does that feel good for you? It's all about making that camera the extension. Of yourself, I feel like, like it's. Um, I, I feel like it's a, it's a little bit like Honda um, has done with their their compact cars and their affordable cars, because you know everybody's got you know like there's the the Toyota Corolla and the Camry and the Honda Civic, right? But yeah. have you looked at the Honda Civic lately? <laughs> it lo it looks like a street rocket. It's all curvy and and spoilers, and the Honda Civic is cool. We could incredibly cool and if i had to buy a little you know i need a two-door or four-door family sedan i would absolutely be wanting to get that before i got a camry because you know the civic the cam you know the, the camera the civic what's the difference <laughs> you know what i mean they're both going to get you there they're both going to have ac they're going to both going to be fine so which one are you going to feel better when you walk out into the parking lot to get into it that's what's important. And a lot of times that's what you get with Fuji is like you said, every camera you buy, no matter who you buy it from, it's going to take great pictures. So yeah. we're at this point now where we really can start to pay attention to the aesthetic, pay attention to the style and let that be a driving force on your camera since all of them are going to take good pictures. Right. That is words to live by. And you should, for those of you listening, check out more of his wisdom on his YouTube channel, Bure Perry. 
Bure, man, it's been awesome having you on the show. Definitely have to bring you back to talk more. I, 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 I've been having such a great time geeking out and talking about this. And man, next time we have you on, let's let's dig deeper into AI and all that other fun stuff. We haven't even touched. Oh, I'm on that. board. I, yeah, you you don't have to ask me twice to talk for an hour. Awesome. Um, in addition to your YouTube channel, why don't you tell the world where they can find you on the web? Uh, YouTube channel is at Bure Perry. Instagram is Bure Perry. My website is Bure Perry. <laughs> <laughs> Very easy uh, to remember. BurePerry.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook as Bure Perry. But what you want to do on Facebook is you want to go to my group. I have a group called uh, Pro Photo Talk with, wait, Bure Perry. That's right. Pro Photo Talk <laughs> with Bure Perry. And if you put that into Facebook, you'll find that group. And it's all photographers, a lot of uh, Fuji users in there now. It didn't start out that way, but now a lot of Fuji people in there. And uh, just, you know, I post stuff in there and funny stuff. And if people have a question, they'll post it. And everybody's really nice, a good community. Uh, so that's it. Like I said, if you go to Google and you put in Blu-ray period, you're going to find me. Awesome. Great having you on the show, man. Uh, I can't wait for next time. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk soon. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I hope to see you back next week. I wanted to also mention one more time that this is brought to you by Fuji Love Magazine. For the latest and greatest in all things Fujifilm X-Series and GFX, head on over to fujilove.com. Subscribe today. And my name is Mark Sadowski. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter. Mostly Instagram, though. I'm at Mark Sadowski. That's Mark with a C. And you can also check out my other podcast, Xmark. It's a Fujifilm-esque kind of show, where it's more spice of life and pretty infrequent. But if you want more of my voice, that's the place to check it out. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.